got a firm foundation. I rock the only solid ground. Nations rise and fall. The kingdom's once strong, now shaken. We trust forever in your name. The name of Jesus. We trust the name of Jesus. You are the only king forever. Almighty God, we lift you higher. You are the only king forever. Forevermore, you are victorious. Give him one more hand clap of praise. Come on, let's really bless him in this place this morning. We bless you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy, Lord. 
no one like you, Jesus. Just slip our hands to heaven in this place this morning and invite the presence of the Lord. Father, as we continue to worship this morning, we just pray, Lord, that you would draw near as we draw near to you. God, we pray for whatever people brought through those doors this morning, God, that chains will be broken and lives will be changed by the power of your spirit, God. As we gather in your name, Lord, we know that you'll be in our midst and we give you glory and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. So we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you, oh, oh what do you do? Great are your love, you give life. Bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. It's your Oh 
bless your name. Oh, we bless your name, oh God. God. 
morning and I even see some of you have just kind of wiped your hands clean and says I'm walking away from that because it's dead and this is what the word of the Lord to you this morning it is not dead it may look dead it may look hopeless but with God with God all things are possible and God wants to breathe fresh breath into those dead dry bones in your life we're gonna take time in the middle of our worship to pray with you about anything you need prayer with. But there are those of you that are facing the hopelessness of a marriage that looks dead. Children that are away from God, it looks hopeless, they'll never return. Or a business that you're about to walk away with. Even I feel like there are those here this morning that were going to this week declare bankruptcy because it seems hopeless. But God wants to give you fresh hope fresh faith and he can turn things around we're calling for our prayer team to come forward and i invite you as we continue to worship come and get prayer because when christians pray together miracles take place let's see some dead bones come back to life the spirit of the living god is calling out your name come alive The Spirit of the living God is calling out your name. Come alive. The Spirit of the living God is calling out your name. Come alive. 
The Spirit of the Living God is calling out your name. Come alive. Come alive. Oh, the Spirit of the Living God is calling out your name. Come alive. We bless your name.
just sing that with the music real low. Just thank you, Jesus. We sing that to you, Lord. We say thank you, Jesus. And thank you, Jesus. Just as I am, I come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, last time with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. We say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, just as I Welcome to Church on the Rock. We are so glad you're here worshiping with us today. In the back of the chair in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of ways to get connected through classes, 
small groups, and outreach opportunities. If you're a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop in the offering, or you can bring it across the hall to the Connect Room where you'll receive a free gift bag. And don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. We are so glad you're here, and we hope you know there is always a place for you. Here's what's happening at Church on the Rock. We are approaching the deadline to register to vote. If you haven't registered yet, don't miss out on this opportunity. Voter registration is in the foyer. Register today. Rahab's Retreat, a home for women in sex trafficking, domestic abuse, and drug rehabilitation, is having its grand opening October 9th, 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. in Kilgore, Texas. Next Saturday night, October 8th, after service, join us for Family Night. We will have pizza from Big Cheese Pizza here after service for a dollar a slice, and we'll be watching the family movie, The Jungle Book. We love Saturday night. We love it for lots of reasons, but one reason we really love it is because we get all day Sunday off to do what we want to do. And you know what? The first time we came, we came to Sunday morning, and it was wonderful. But when we came to Saturday night, we felt like we had found our place. We come to church on Saturday nights, and we've been coming for three years now. And we really enjoy it because it frees up our Sundays, and it allows me to be able to teach Sunday school. I've gone to church Sunday mornings all my life, and I always thought I wouldn't do any different. And even after going to church here, we've gone three years, over three years, on Sunday mornings and we just recently it was first part of the summer we had to go on a Saturday night because we were leaving town Sunday and so we decided to go Saturday night and we actually loved it we all kind of agreed hey let's do that again and I know pastors asked us for a while he's asked everyone those who could make room for Sunday morning and uh, we can so why not so we actually enjoy it we go now every Saturday night and food and date night is awesome yeah date night's good God is in control, Jesus is still the answer, but we still need to do our part. I want to encourage you, I know we lead busy lives, but I want to encourage you to register to vote if you're not registered to vote. And then after you're registered to vote, to get informed and to pray and to vote. These elections are so important and there's so much at stake in our country, in our state, and even locally. One time, Debbie and I realized that the next day we had local elections, we had a full day booked, and we both said we've got to get up early and get there as soon as the polls open because it's so important to let our voice be heard. And we live in a country that we can let our voice be heard. So I love you guys so much because you love the Lord, you're giving, you're serving, you're praying. I want to encourage you to do your part in this area also. Register to vote, pray, and then vote. I love you guys. Amen. Welcome to Church on the Rock. Are you doing good today? Yeah. Amen. We are glad you're here. Are you glad that it's October finally? Amen. Pull out a sweatshirt or whatever. I've seen some ladies wear some, some boots. It feels like fall finally a little bit. So anyways, we are glad that you're here. 
Amen. I did want to just mention, you have one week left to register to vote. You cannot vote if you're not registered. And I wanted to tell you that in the foyer, we have voter registration cards. You can fill it out and we'll even mail it off for you because your vote matters. In the absence of the Christian vote, who's going to vote? The heathens. And they're going to have our country. They're going to have our politics. Listen to this from Lou Ingalls. We cannot afford to be jaded about these elections. We cannot be neutral and let history forge its own way. The future will be made by someone who stands in the gap, asks God to release his divine choice into this nation, who will uphold the covenant. This is critical. It's time for us as a church to stand up, to, to get registered, to vote, but even more importantly, or as important, to pray and stand in the gap for our nation. And you're going to be hearing ways to pray here at our church over the next few weeks before the election and even to fast and take time to seek God's faith. Amen. That's great. Uh, Pastor John's out of town this weekend, so we want to remember to keep him in our prayers. He's actually in Mississippi, and uh, if you have Facebook, he's been driving a tractor all week for his vacation. So we want to remember to keep him in our prayers. He will be traveling back today, so just traveling mercies for him. But we do have our guests from Haiti uh, with us today, Jay and Linda Threadgill. Can we give them a round of applause? We are so blessed and honored that you guys are here. And I said this last service, but you know, they're more than just missionaries. They're part of us. They're part of our family. And we want you to know that we love you. We care about you. We're so excited to, to hear Pastor Jay. I've heard the last two messages. It's phenomenal. And it's a right now word. So I encourage you, get ready to receive what the Lord has for us today. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, looking at verse 6. Let's look what the Lord says. Or actually, Paul says this. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. Say grow. Listen, we have a part to play. God tells us to give, to pay our tithes, to give our offerings, but he's the only one that can make it grow. We have a part to play. He has a part to play. We can't make it grow, and he can't force us to give. That's our part. So we have to do our part. And one ministry that we've been fortunate enough just to be connected with over the last several years, and you'll hear more about this, but it's a ministry of Haiti. God's been doing amazing things there, and he's taken our seed. He's taken our offerings that we've sent, and he's made a lot of things grow. Just this past week, Jason and his team went down to Haiti. They made a lot of trusses, and I'm telling you, uh, God did a lot of work. You sent money, and this is what was built in just about five days. And here shortly, there's going to be a lot of Haitian people in there worshiping the King of Kings because we give, and God makes it grow. So listen, it's the 1st of October. Thank you so much for your giving. Let's see what God's going to do this season. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Yeah. 
Lord Jesus, we lift our hands to you. We open our hearts. You are the one, God, that we truly love. You are so awesome. We love you so much. And we know you love us as much or more, more than we can imagine. God, I pray that you would manifest that love in each and every heart that is here today, that you would touch each person with a love that will never fail, a love that is so consuming it will change dramatically lives. Touch us, God. Transform us. Manifest your presence in us today. We're hungry for you, God. More of you is our prayer, God. More of you and less of us, Father. Hallelujah. We cry out before you for your glory, Lord, for your presence. Hallelujah. Father, you know the battle and the, or, or the circumstance of every person in this house, and we in decree and declare that by your love, we all have victory, Lord. We release the victorious presence of God in our lives and our circumstances this day. Lord, we just honor you. We lift up your name. We lift up the name of Jesus that all men would be drawn to him, our king. We bless you in Jesus' name. And all God's kids said, amen. amen. Come on, give it up for the Lord this morning. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. Boy, you're a pretty good-looking bunch of people. You know that? I see Jesus in your eyes. Amen. Well, it's just so awesome for Linda and I to be with you today. Um, this is like coming to our second home. Um, we really love being in Texarkana. We love Pastor John, Pastor Linnell with all of our hearts, and we've been so close for so many years. And uh, if Linda had her way, she'd probably be a missionary to Texarkana. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we, God's got us on assignment, and so I want my wife to greet you, and then I'm going to let her tell the, the, the initial story there. Oh, what a story. How can you say a 30-year story in three minutes? It's not possible. It's just called a willingness to go, a willingness to do, and a willingness to obey. You know, God called us to missions. We knew that. We didn't know where. And so we had set our hand to go to Central America, which is we knew missionaries there. We knew it was easy to go because we had connections. But Jay took an off trip to Haiti, and then he came back and said, you've got to go with me. I went, oh, no, we're going to Central America. He went, oh, no, I want you to go to Haiti. I went, oh, no, Central America. He went, oh, no, Haiti. So I did go with him, and then I was like, I didn't want to hear, la, 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 la. Because when you get there, it is just so, when I, and 30 years ago, Haiti was just so raw. Children were in the streets, naked, filthy. Women were washing clothes on the, in the, in the potholes of water, and, and it was just nasty, and, and, and it was so much smog. And the, and the tap tap we were riding had a hole in the floor. And, the, and, the, and whenever we'd go over a, a, a pothole, all the mud would splash upon us. And I thought, God, what could we possibly do in this nation that would make a difference? And he said, if you touch one person's life, one. And I'm saying to you today, if you touch one person's life, one person at a time, You've done what I've asked you to do. And so I, the last morning on the top of the roof, as I'm smelling urine and praying with my eyes closed, looking at a beautiful sunset, sunrise, he said, this is where I want you to go. And I bowed my knee because I am called to follow him. And I said, yes, Lord. And that's all it really takes, guys, to follow God's will is say, yes, Lord. Everybody say, yes, Lord. I will follow your will. And you will never know where he'll take you. In places you'll never dream that you would ever go or become the person you will never believe you can become. Because in my eyes, I was a poor Mississippi girl 
Who am I to think that I could do anything? But through Christ, you can do all things through him. And now he's made me somebody who was never a nobody, and now I'm a somebody through him. Not through myself, but through him. Believe in my whole life, I, would, I was just nothing. But he can take a nothing and make it something. He can take that $1 you have in your wallet and he can multiply it. So never put a limit on God, ever. 30 years later, we're the largest Protestant ministry in Haiti. We, we, <laughs> I, I still to this day drive on the property and I can get tears in my eyes and say, God, look at what you have done. Look at what you have done just by willingness and obedience. So my, heart, my message is not about what we've done. It's about what you can do if you're willing and you say yes. It's just a simple yes. It's not easy, but life is not easy. It's just as hard here in Texarkana sometimes as it can be anywhere in the world. But God's called us to the world, not just to ourselves. And so I look back on all the things that God has done, and I'm still amazed. We shouldn't be amazed. And then when God, God does something, then we're surprised. Why are we surprised? He's God. He's God. And anybody in here, whatever you're going through, our God is bigger than your problem. Our God is bigger than your circumstance. He's bigger than anything you're seeing right now in your natural eyes. You have to see with spiritual eyes. Because this, when you get over the hump, is when you can see spiritually, not naturally. And I had to close my eyes many times to the natural and only see the spirit. And that is the, is the success that we, if there's any success that Jay and I've had, it's only been because of him. And I give him all the glory and the honor for everything and all things that have been accomplished. And he's allowed us to meet some of the most awesome people in the world. Pastor John and Linnell, this church. You guys are so grounded in our ministry. You don't even, for those of you who don't know us that well, you don't know how much this church has done in our ministry in Haiti. The faithfulness that you have been to us has been such an anchor in our life. The friendships that I have in this church, just me alone, not including him. I'm standing alone now. I can come here and feel like I've come home. And that's important for a missionary, to have a place that feels like home because you're not America's not my home Haiti's my home so it's very hard after a while to find a place that feels home well this is home and uh, don't be surprised if I don't build a house here one day and live here but I always threaten him that I'm going to come here and live one day but I uh, know really we're going to move to Camden Arkansas one day and I'll just be one hour away <laughs> and, so, and so, but anyway, I just want to tell you, we love you, um, and thank you for everything you've done for us through the years, the prayers, the giving, the, the, the coming to Haiti and, 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 and sewing and, 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 and sweating with us and doing all that we do with us. And we just want to thank you and say, God bless you. We love you. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, she did. I'm going to fill in some of the gaps. 30 years ago, God had given us a word, as she said, to come to the nation of Haiti. And they gave us a mandate. And the mandate was, I want you to go and take a nation. Well, we had no clue what that meant. I mean, 30 years ago, I, I was pretty young. And uh, 30 years ago, I had a lot of zeal, but I didn't have much wisdom and I didn't have any money. And so I figured, now, this is kind of intense. How are we going to take a nation with nothing? 
uh, but God's faithful. And uh, just, I, I spoke this over the second, I think I spoke this over both services, but I have a prophetic word that spins off of that that God spoke to me, I think it was last night, and he says, we have a mandate to take a nation for Jesus, but God wants me to prophetically speak over you that you have a mandate to take a city and a region for Jesus. You see, Texarkana belongs to you. It belongs to the, your, your endeavors and ministry, and uh, you might as well go ahead and claim it for Jesus. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Okay, you guys already had breakfast. Don't give me no sob story like first service, all right? Uh, come on, let's, let's stir it up. Well, so we went with nothing. We literally went with nothing but the word of the Lord. And as she said in first service, we had travel trunks and, and cook stove and a thermos or a cooler. That was what we went with, and that's what we started living with. We started a church 28 years ago in our living room with six people and now have over 6,000 and Sunday attendance, praise God. And so it's grown. We planted a Bible school, and now we have four Bible schools accredited in the United States and recognized in the nation of Haiti. And we've literally graduated over 1,000 into the thousands. I think we're pushing close to 2,000 graduates that have entered into their destiny and are now ministering and doing what God's called them to do. Hallelujah. We have planted sons in the faith where the hard count, I would really have to sit everybody down and us brainstorm the hard count of churches now that are all over the nation of Haiti. And not only in the nation of Haiti, but graduates and sons in the faith. I just had a son in the faith come back to me. He said, I went to America five years ago, and he just came back. I planted a church in Virginia. Would you come in and, and install me as a church on the rock pastor? I said, absolutely. Praise God. Hallelujah. We have churches in Miami and churches in Fort Lauderdale, churches in Boston, churches in Mo Montreal, churches in Santa Domingo, churches in Martinique. These are all graduates that are just moving because they hear the word of destiny. They hear the word of purpose and they take what they hear and they apply themselves and God just does it. Just recently had a maintenance staff from a church graduate my Bible school. We offer our staff uh, scholarships if they want to go to the Bible school. And so a maintenance man, he heard the word, heard what God was saying to do, and just went five hours out in the middle of nowhere and planted a brush arbor church. Praise God. Now they're, now they're two in line for the building and the, and the roof. Praise God. They're number two in line. Praise the Lord. I got one ahead of them. They've waiting faithfully. A maintenance man, and now he's got a church. They just go out and get people born again, get people saved, gather them together. Now we got a church. Now you got to start teaching them and training them, and it's so awesome to see what these guys are doing. Uh, 17 schools, educating and feeding five days a week, 3,500 kids, 3,500 kids. We can feed a child a, a good meal. I've sat and ate these meals. They're not bad uh, uh, for 35 cents. Now, even Mickey D's can't do that. And so God is good. And, of course, there's a lot of effort in there. We get the food free. We have to pay the shipping and get it into the country, distributed it and going. But it's a, it's a blessing. And it's, if I took any of you to these places, we would all cry together, and then you would want to know what can we do, praise the Lord. Uh, it's, it's intense. Some of these places, many of these places of the 17 schools, it is literally the only meal they eat each day. They are in some of the poorest areas imaginable. And so it's kind of like National Geographic thing. It's real. And uh, Haiti still is classified as the poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere. We're trying to change that. It's going to take a generation or so. And so we're, we're going on. My wife birthed uh, Morningstar Christian Academy, which is an American English-speaking school. It now hosts over 330 students uh, from 
second grade all the way through 12th grade, and our graduates move on to higher-level learning here in the United States. Many, many, most 80% of our graduates move into higher-level learning with a Christ-centered education, and it's really pretty cool. Great job she's done. Uh, I just pay the bills. You know, I just do the best to keep it going. Uh, we sponsor medical outreaches. We sponsor two orphanages there in the nation of Haiti, and we just keep going with God step by step. And we're, we're seeing the picture being fulfilled now. How do you take a nation? You just raise up others and release them. And four of the largest churches of Port-au-Prince are all graduates of ours. The four of the largest churches in the city are all graduates of ours. And it's just such a privilege and an honor to release them into destiny. We'll talk a little bit about destiny today. But are you ready for the word of the Lord? All right. Praise God. I want you to open your Bibles to 2 Samuel 11. If you've got your Bibles, they'll throw it on the screen. Um, but I've got to talk a little bit before we get to 2 Samuel. Over the past several many weeks, God gave me a prophetic word to bring, begin to bring to our church. And so it's just about a book now. But I've called out some of the high points and built this message for you here in Texarkana, for the church here at Church on the Rock. Um, the title of that, or the word that he gave me, the prophetic, which became the title, the prophetic word that he gave me as I was praying one day is, he said, son, you must realize the time is now. The time is now. Everybody say the time is now. You see, we're in a critical time. We're in a critical moment as, as not only as a nation but globally. We're at a critical time, but God has ordained the church to rise up in his glory, not cower back, but to rise up. And he began to speak to me from the scripture in Isaiah 60, which we're not talking about uh, 2 Samuel yet, but I'm giving some groundwork. In Isaiah 60, it's a, it's, a, it's a scripture most Christians would recognize, which says, "For Arise and shine, for your light has come, for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. You see, God is saying the time is now for the church to rise. The time is now for you to br uh, brilliantly reveal his light. You see, every person sitting here has a sphere of influence. Every single person in this house has a sphere of influence, and God wants you to shine in that sphere. God wants you to allow the glory of the Lord to come manifest not only in you but through you. Every person in here has a divine plan and purpose of God for your life. Every person. Nothing is by accident. God has a plan and a purpose for you to fulfill, a race to run, a course to complete. And in that course, he wants you to affect every level of society you can touch. He says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise on you. You see, we are all vessels of God's glory. We are all vessels of God's glory. It is appropriate to pray, God, send your glory. That's okay. I've said this, that I have been in many, many services where the glory of the Lord was so strong, all you could do was sit. You couldn't touch it. You just had to sit there and let God be God. And then people would begin to be healed and, and demons would begin to manifest. You get a lot of that in Haiti. See, down in Haiti we got demons. There's some in America, but they all went to Harvard. <laughs> but anyhow, 
And in Haiti, they'll just, I mean, the power of God will be so strong in the service that people will begin to manifest and God will begin to touch and heal and people begin to weep and fall on their face and a minister has to, doesn't do anything. It's so powerful. That's when God sends his glory. But we are also vessels of his glory. You have Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you is a hope of glory. Whose hope? It's God's hope that you realize you have the Christ in you and that you can release the glory. You see, it's not only for God to send the glory. We have the ability to release the glory. Now, how do you release the glory? Through the power of prayer. See, because prayer is not just asking God for something. Many times what God wants you to do is stand and, and what I call, I call them apostolic prophetic declaration. It could be prophetic. It can, you can call it a million things. But you begin to decree and declare the promises of God in your house or in your room or wherever you're praying. You begin to release a whole other atmosphere because you're releasing the glory of the Lord that lives and abides within you. You begin to push darkness back from you, attacking you, because where light is, darkness cannot remain. That's how you release the glory. God says there's great darkness out there. I don't think you have to be a, a, a scholar to understand we're in dark times. We're not only in dark times globally, we're in dark times in the United States. And I'm going to tell you something. Don't blame anybody, but, bla well, don't blame anybody, but I'm going to tell you one thing, and it's going, to kind of, it's going to make your toes curl a little bit. It's our fault. It's the church's fault because the church is ordained to, to dominate and, and take dominion over the earth. And we're going to get into that a little bit. Whatever atmosphere is in a nation, it's the church's fault or it's the church's compliment. You see, the kingdom of the world is Satan's kingdom. Whenever the scriptures talk about the world, it's not talking about a geographic place. It's talking about satanic systems that are in the earth. And whenever the scriptures talk about the kingdom, the kingdom of God is talking about righteousness, peace, and joy, power, the Holy Spirit. And we are to replace the kingdoms of the world with the kingdom of God. But sort of, in a way, we've kind of been sitting on our sweet derriere. We'll get to that in a minute. Let me keep going. I'm digressing. God said to me, and at the same time as he's moving me into this theme of the time is now. Somebody say again, the time is now. You see, it's not a time that's coming Oh, I'm praying one day revival come. No, don't pray revival come. Revival is here. Release it. The glory of the Lord is here. Release it. Begin to see as God sees. Somebody say amen. God spoke to me out of Psalm 2 and 8. And he said, ask of me and I'll give you the nations of your as your inheritance. I said, I'll just take one. Give me Haiti. When was the last time? And I pray that often. I want Haiti. You told me to come take a nation. I want it. It's mine. Not mine, mine, but you know what I mean. It's the king's. But if you want me to take it for you, then it's mine. Bless God. Now, when was the last time somebody got on their knees and said, God, give us America? When was the last time we stopped praying for all our little problems in our house and actually went to the bigger picture where God lives and said, God, I want to take America for Jesus. Or God, I want to take Texarkana for Jesus. Or God, I want to take East Texas for Jesus. Or God, I want the state. When was the last time you prayed it? Here's another one. When was the last time you prayed for your president? I've heard a lot of Christians complain. He's not my best friend. I don't know him, but I pray for him. There's things he's done I didn't agree with, but I pray for him. You know why I pray for him? Because the Bible tells me to pray for him. When was the last time you prayed for President Obama? 
And no matter who is elected president, you know what? I'm going to pray for them. And if you think Trump is going to make America great again, you're fooled. Only one person can make America great again, and his name is Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm going to vote. I got an idea who I'm going to vote for, but my confidence is not that they're going to change it. God will. And no matter who's in there, we best pray. Because if we don't pray for them, the devil will be waiting to move them. Let's go ahead and think about it a minute. You see, every believer is called into a ministry of reconciliation. I often hear people, well, you know, I think I'm prophetic. Or I'm apostolic. Or I'm a, I think maybe one day I'll pastor a great church. That's all good. But are you doing the first ministry God gave you? Are you operating in the ministry of reconciliation in the sphere that he's given you? Because, you see, we've got to be faithful over the little things for you. Make us ruler over many things. Here's another good one. I, I tested both services before. This, is a, this one gets my church real quiet, so get ready. I throw it at my church often. Bible says, Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. How many following Jesus today? The rest of you, you're scared. You're holding your hands down. Don't, you know you're getting set up. I know. Here, here's the question then. If you're not fishing, are you following Jesus? He said, follow me. He didn't say, follow me and time by time I might let you fish. He said, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Now these East Texas guys know all about natural fishing. If you're going to learn to fish, you need a hole to fish in. Go to wherever it's comfortable. All, the, all you nice ladies got get your hands done, your feet done, your hair done. That should be a primary fishing hole. I'd be steadily wearing their ears out about Jesus while they're doing my feet and my hands if I was you. I like Walmart. Walmart's a fishing hole for me. I love Walmart. I like, I like, oh, I got another place, Haiti Airport. I fish there. So I'm always picking up guests. So might as well be praying for people. I got what I call the blue shirt church. That's the customs department. They're my church. They, they really are. One time I was in the airport waiting for some guests, and a police officer, kind of high up, had bars and everything, walked up to me and said, I hear you have a blue shirt church and you pray for people. I said, I do. He said, I need you to pray for me. I said, sir, do you want me to pray for you now or do you want me to pray for you in my private time continually? He said, well, I'm not sure you can. I don't have, because police are khaki. He said, I don't have a blue shirt. I said, no, you got blue bars. You count. <laughs> Had the blue bars on his shoulder, you know. I said, he, he said, I want you to pray for me now and I want you to pray for me often. And so here we are. Now, this guy's a, like a commander. I mean, he's high up. He takes his hat off kneels down the ground, I put my, which is very customary in Haiti, I put my hands on him, and there's like airplane people walking all around looking for luggage, and I'm like, Lord God, bless this officer in the name of Jesus in the middle of, in front of God and man. Well, I'm trying to get him prayed for, but I'm fishing. There's a wider net that's going on in the midst of something like that. You see, are you following Jesus? Then if you're following Jesus somewhere, you should be fishing. No, you, I know you love that one. You see, I call this a kingdom apostolic reformation. There's a lot of, that sounds really good, but I'll tell you what that means. 
In this kingdom apostolic reformation, God's desire is to aggressively, say aggressively, aggressively integrate every social, every racial, every cultural level of society with his presence, with his power, and with his kingdom expression. You see, that's our job. We got a job to do. Our job is to integrate society, not just to come into this beautiful. Now, see, I call beautiful churches like this in my church as well in Haiti. We are just two things. We're a gas station and we're a hospital. We're here to make you well, get you strong, and we're here to fill up your gas tank and then send you out. This is not church. We are the church. This building is just a meeting place. We are the church, but we are not to be a church just kind of hanging. We well, our total job is not to just be a church hanging out together on Sunday. We're to be the church in the midst of society, to be an expression of Jesus everywhere we go. Exchanging the systems of this world, the satanic systems, whenever you speak of the world, it's the systems of darkness, to exchange the systems of the world with the systems of God. And God is looking for a church, and what God is saying is, the time is now. It's not, oh, well, it's coming. No, it's not. It's here. If we're waiting on it to come, we're really going to be in trouble. We're in a season of war. And now when I talk about war, it's not aggressive war. Here's the deal. I don't war against presidents or, or uh, uh, candidates. I'm more for one than another, but who cares? I don't war against Trump. I don't war against Hillary Clinton. I war against the demons that are motivating them and driving them. Praise God. I don't war against President Obama. I war at the demonic forces that want to influence him. That's where my war is. When we need to realize that. There, hey, I challenged this last night. I didn't do it this first service. More people, if people would pray about the politics as much as they talk about it, we'd get something done in this nation. Because we'll run our mouths about who we like, who we don't like, blah, 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 blah. But I want to ask the same person, how much have you prayed about this? Uh -huh. But I love you. We are in a season of war. It's a war for our families. It's a war for our cities. It's a war for our nation. And it's a war for the world. And I'm not panicking about no antichrist because I got Christ and the antichrist don't. I'm not panicking about whether we early rapture, middle rapture, last rapture. Who gives a fly and flip what rapture? I walk with God, praise the Lord. And if we're at the very end, God's going to not only take care of us, we're going to rise and we're going to shine. We're not going to be some church hiding in a cave somewhere. We're going to walk strong in front of everybody and bring deliverance to a world. My gosh. Second Sam. 2 Samuel 11. Got to wipe the microphone off. I'm starting to spit now. You know, I'm getting warmed up. 2 Samuel 11. Now we know we're in a war. It's a spiritual war. Wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness, and heavenly places. Ephesians 6.10. 2 Samuel 11, and it happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle. Another translation that says at the time when kings go to war. 
that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained. See, it was a time when kings went to war. And David is a king. David was not to remain. But he decided to get real relaxed. He knew he had the battle. Decided to get a little relaxed. Now, I'm typing in shadow and a little bit of the church collectively. Now, we got great prayer warriors in the church. There's, There's a lot of stuff going right. Don't get me wrong. But I'm here to stir us. Stir us. When a king sits on his fanny, things happen. Now, first, let's establish this. You're all kings. You all are kings and priests. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2, verse 9, that you are a chosen generation. That is so awesome. We didn't choose God. He chose us. You know, you think about it, and, you know, you'd be happy, but he chose me and Linda, chose us, and considered us worthy to go touch a nation for him. How intense is that? He chose us. Now, here's what I tell some churches. Y'all get get yourselves ready. If you don't support us real good, he'll take us off the field and ask you to go. (laughs) Uh We're chosen. And what are you going to say? No, I don't want to. (laughs) That goes real good. Chosen generation. Now listen, you're a royal priesthood. Or one other way to say that, you're a governmental priesthood. Royalty means governmental. You're a governmental priesthood. A holy nation. His own special people. You're special. Special to a father. Why? Why are we that special people? It goes on. So that you would proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, it's one thing to praise him here, but that's not the only place we're supposed to praise him. We're supposed to be praising him in that sphere of influence. We're supposed to be praising him in the darkness. We're supposed to be the light. We are the light. Revelation 1 and 6 says he has made us to be kings and priests. You can be queens, ladies. It's okay. We are kings and queens and priests. That's that's a mentality. I like what Ephesians says. He says, we are children of his house, citizens of heaven, members of his kingdom. We are an elite chosen few. We are kings. We are ambassadors of Christ, more than conquerors. It's a mentality. Oh, God, please help me. That's a wrong mentality. It's not wrong to ask God to help you, but sometimes we ask the wrong things. You see, the Bible says in Mark 11, 20, 22, 23, you speak to the mountain. Sometimes we pray, God, move the mountain, move the mountain. He goes, no, I'm not moving the mountain. You move it. The Word doesn't say ask God to move the mountain. The Word says you move the mountain. He says, speak to the mountain. Be thou removed. Be thou cast in the sea. Believe in your heart the things which you say, and what you say you'll receive. You move it. He said, how long I got to speak to it? Till it moves. I spoke to it once. Well, speak to it 20 more times. That's another problem with the church. Think we're going to get everything done in 15-minute prayer. First of all, your faith is not generated enough for those miracles in 15 minutes. 
You got to stir it up. That's right. You got to spend some time with God sometimes. 15-minute prayer is not bad. I don't want want anyone going out here, I don't get nothing done 15 minutes. No, pray, pray, pray 15, 15, 15. My happiest day, though, is a Saturday when I can separate myself. You guys are going to think I'm really weird now. And, and, of course, I'm preparing for Sunday where I can take almost the whole Saturday and just go into the presence of God. I'm talking hours. It is so awesome to get in the presence of God for hours. You can just about ask anything (laughs) at that moment because the presence is strong. Your faith is strong. You know you're there with him. You know he's there in the room. He just comes. You got the worship music going. You're praising him. You're praying. You're reading the word. And just he comes. And it's like, oh, my gosh, he's here. And it's like, just ask something. I'll give it to you. He's so awesome. Fifteen minutes can't get that. And then you could just imagine the, the anointing on the service on a Sunday from a day like that. Oh, man, I'm ready for blind eyes to open, deaf ears to open, lame people to walk. Let's do it, praise God. Because there's a faith level that's built. But he wants you to have that faith level to make you understand you're a king, you're a governor, you're a ruler. He's called you to govern, not to just succumb. We are to govern life circumstances, not life circumstances govern us. Everybody's going to have stuff. I can write books on battles, but the book will always end with the same chapter, the victory that God gave. No matter how drastic it is, we've, we've seen it all from the loss of a son to stuff. We've seen stuff we've had to endure, but in through it all, God always took us to the place of victory. He has never designed you. Matter of fact, I'll say this. If Christ is in you, you cannot be defeated. It's not in God's plan. I don't care what you're under. God has a greater plan for you to have victory. Someone say victory. Now we're starting to get somewhere. You see, we possess a governmental anointing. you got to pray it that way. Take authority over darkness. Speak to the mountains. I'll not accept you in my house. Now, here's another thing. Get your toes ready. Some of what we're in, when we're in it, we created it. Life and death is in the power of the tongue and those who will eat the fruit of it. If you got negativity around you, I would check what you've been speaking lately. If you got sickness in your body, I would think about what you're speaking. I remember, I'm going to tell you something. I'll actually be bluntly honest with you. My father called me up. He's 80, 88 years old, almost 89. Says they they telling me I got cancer. First thing out of my mouth, I'm not going to say it literally, was BS. And I began to pray. I mean, I went from BS to prayer. And I began to pray, and it was a 15-minute prayer. I bound and cast down and shut for 15 minutes. And when I was done, my dad said, that was a good prayer. I said, that's why we do it, Dad. He went and ran all the tests. They saw it in blood work. They saw it. Ran all the tests because they got to figure out where it is. It wasn't anywhere. No, but the average guy would go, I got cancer. I do. No, you might, but let's get rid of it. Let's fight it. Great witness right here, your pastor, your pastor, Linnell. 
She's given the devil so many black eyes now he, ain't got, he can't see nothing. She, she devoted her life when she got through that to go out and do whatever God wanted her to do. And she ain't, I looked at her the other day, just yesterday, and said, how does your body do this? You know what it's like riding on an airplane for 14 hours? It ain't nothing fun about it. But she does it. Then comes back with testimonies of how God moved. You better, you better catch a ride with her one one day. All you mission people, even if you're not a mission people, get a passport and go somewhere. All right, let's go back. We're kings. We have established that. You're a king or a queen. Priests worship, kings govern. We are kings and priests. So you can't just do half your ministry. Half your ministry is worshiping. I love to worship. I love to worship God. But the second half is to govern. And if you're not governing, you're only completing half your ministry. And so we got a governmental anointing. We're ambassadors. We're called to rule and reign. Now here in our passage, in our text, it said it was time for kings to go to war, but David stayed. That's what many Christians are doing. It's time. The time is now is what God says. We can't just sit. We got to go to war. We got a war for our nation. We got a war for our city. We got a war for our states. We got a war for the local governments. We got a war. If we don't war, the devil will take it. And so what happens when kings stay behind and sit, and we're all kings, he's the king of all the kings. We are the kings he's king of. Your governmental anointing diminishes. You see, it's by the anointing that the yokes are broken. It's by the anointing that mountains move. It's by the anointing miracles manifest. Giftings and callings are without repentance. I can stand up here and preach with no preparation and preach a fine message without an inch, a stitch of anointing. And you probably all go, that's nice, and leave. But your life didn't get touched, didn't get changed. That's why I believe in preparation, spiritual preparation. Anointing. And I don't want to use the word I used earlier. The anointing is gained by the time you're in the presence of God. The anointing is gained. I used earned earlier. It's, you don't earn anything with God. It's gained, though, because the anointing is the presence of God. And the time you sit in the presence of God will govern the type of anointing you'll walk in. No matter what your call is. I mean, your Pastor Linnell is... It's prophetic. John is pastoral and prophetic. They walk in it because they spend time with God. You may have a, an anointing and a calling to make a million bucks, but you've got to spend some time with God. Some of you, God wants to just make you the next multimillionaire of Texarkana. Thank you for one amen. What's the matter with you people? Are you all sick? I sit there and say, God might want to make any one of you the next multimillionaire of Texarkana. And you say, here I am, God, send me. Why not? Somebody say, why not? Colonel Sanders knew how to fry chicken. He didn't know accounting. He didn't know uh, franchising. He didn't know distribution. He knew chicken. And chicken made him a multimillionaire at the age of 65. So why are you telling me you can't do it? You know why? Because we box God. We decide what God can do and what he can't do. 
Don't box God. He's way bigger than your paycheck. He's way bigger than your job. He's way bigger than anything you can imagine. Let's go on. Rabbit trails, that rabbit trail's over. <laughs> Governmental anointing diminishes when you're sitting. Anointings are gained because you're warring and spending time with God. But as, number two, as the governmental anointing diminishes, it gives room for Satan to come and challenge you with temptation. Now, there's a lot of temptation. There's more than just adultery and murder. There's a lot of things that will separate you from what you're supposed to be doing. A lot of things. And when you're just sitting, that's what the devil is trying to do. You see, the devil had, before you were saved, he did everything he could to keep you going to hell. Once you got saved, he goes, okay, they're going to heaven. So his strategy shifted. His strategy shifted from trying to keep you going to hell to stopping you from being effective in the kingdom of God. The number one strategy of the devil against every believer is to make you of no effect for the glory of God. And if you're sitting instead of warring when it's time to war because the time is now, then then he's got an open road to move into your life and to sidetrack you with something that's not of God. You all follow me? See, brothers and sisters, it's time to go to war now. We need a movement of prayer. We need a movement of evangelism. We need a movement of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know you guys are doing stuff, and it's, and it's awesome. This church, first service, Linda looked over at me and said, this church does everything. Aren't they awesome? And I said, yes, they are. But I'm not here to say you're not doing anything. I'm here to stir you up to even do some more. I'm going to try to take her home real quick. You know, a preacher can say that a few times. Since the beginning of time in the book of Genesis, God had the plan and purpose of man outlined, which was to dominate and take dominion. Now, Adam lost that position through his disobedience. That's another thing that will diminish kingdom anointing or governmental anointing is disobedience. Linda spoke about just obeying. That's what he's looking for, just a, a simple obeying. He'll not ask you to do more than what you, he knows you can do. Maybe more than what you think you can do, but he'll never ask you more than what he knows you can do. Amen. Thank you, Jason Roy. He says, let us make man in our image. Well, what is the image of God? He's a spirit. We're a spirit. He has a creator. We have creative ability. He is a deliverer. We are vessels of deliverance. He's a healer. We are vessels of healing. We are what God is. He's a governor. We have vessels to govern. And he says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the earth. Dominion over the earth was the original destiny of humanity. God restored it through Jesus. God restored the original call of humanity through the redemption of Jesus Christ. He said, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, and over all the earth, and over all creepy things and creepy things on the earth. And God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them. Stop. You are blessed. You have been blessed by God. Somebody lift your hand and say, I am blessed. You need to know that, that we are a blessed people. We are a favored people. We are children of the Most High God. We are citizens of heaven, members of his house, praise God. We're not just some kind of thing we're doing, kind of hanging on till we get out of here. 
The original call is still the call to take dominion. Someone say dominion. There you go. He blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Now that's way more than having babies. When we first started coming to this church, I think Pastor John had and Pastor Linnell had it about 3, 350, somewhere in there. It was a very solid church. You multiplied. Now you got about 1,000 in attendance on your weekly services. And you're going to multiply more because we've got to blow out all these walls and make at least a minimum. I said 1,000. We need a 1,000 seat auditorium, minimum. Come on now. Either that or you're going to have seven services a Sunday, whatever way you want it. Thousand seats better. Hallelujah. He blessed them. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Subdue it. A subdue it means take control of it. You see, that's what God wants the church to do is take control. But there's only one way to take control, and that's through the power of prayer and his presence and then being a vessel that he can use out there to speak truth and love. So what if you get persecuted? That's old, that's old stuff now. I mean, I get it. We don't like to be rejected. If you get a re rejected enough like Linda and I, it's like water off a duck's back. Who cares? As long as he's happy, I'm happy. If he's not happy, I'm not happy. Who cares if they, they're just unsaved, demon-possessed people? <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> Y'all follow me in this? Dominion. Say dominion. I'm now taking it home. So I began to ask God something. This, now, this revelation came a season back. It's a great revelation. But at least it was to me. You might already know this. I said, God, this is, I get the dominion. I know we're kings and priests. But I'm really feeling there's something got to be deeper here than me having dominion over my parakeet in, in, the, in the cage. Or there's got to be something a little deeper here than me having dominion over the bass fish in the local lake so I can fry it for supper. There's got to be. Got to be something more deeper here than dominion over a cow so I can have a ribeye steak. Or a creepy thing, which is a cockroach. Now, Linda delegates all creepy things to me. There's a creepy thing in there. Go step on it. I say, yes, ma'am. Spiders, too. She don't like them. Snakes, can't have snakes. No, these are all creepy things that Linda is having no part with, and she tells me to have dominion. And I obey the best of my ability. But God has called us to take dominion over circumstances of life. And I asked God, I said, God, and he began to give me a prophetic picture. Now, if you ever get a prophetic picture of Scripture that is different than the literal meaning, you need to take it to men of God. Otherwise, you could get really close to being heretic. Everybody said amen. And I did have taken this message to a number of men of God, and they all have smiled and winked and nodded their head. Because many times God will speak to you symbolically through the Scriptures in a prophetic sense to get you to motivate in a different direction. And God began to speak to me, and it started with the birds of the air. He said, son, tell me what you see in the Scripture about birds in the air. Of course, the easiest one is the day that Jesus was baptized, and then when he was raised, a voice came from heaven, and out from heaven came a dove, or the Holy Spirit as a dove. It wasn't a literal dove. It just used that symbol to portray the Holy Spirit. 
And I said, it's, the Holy Spirit came as a dove. He said, so how are you going to dominate and govern? By the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, yes, by the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, go again. I thought, and I thought, okay, the flood. Flood destroyed the earth, and Noah released another dove to go see if God had restored the earth. And the second dove came back carrying a branch, an olive branch. Olive branch always symbolizes peace, and the dove symbols peace. And he says, what do you see? I see peace. He says, that's right. Now talk to me. I said, I'll dominate by the power of the Holy Spirit and your peace ruling and reigning in me. And he said, that's it. Then he said, what about the fish? What do you see? Now, I got about 10 examples of fish. We'll just do one. I went to the scriptures and the gospels and God, and I, and I saw the one about where Jesus wanted to preach. So he asked Peter for a boat and they shoved him off a little bit and he preached to the multitudes. And when he was done preaching, he wanted to bless Peter and he wanted to say to Peter, cast your boat out and drop your nets. Now, this is where many Christians are very similar. And I thank God for Peter because with Peter's example, it tells me I still got a chance. Peter could mess up more than anybody I know. Except for me. <laughs> are you all listening to me? And so Peter became what many Christians are. Now, you're a really good preacher, Pastor Jay, or Jesus. I see the miracles. They're pretty awesome. But I'm sorry, sir, I am the fisherman. I know more about fishing than you. This is when we begin to question God. God, you can't do it that way. It's, I'm sorry. It doesn't work that way. But nevertheless, he cast out his boat at Jesus' word. And he dropped one net. You know the story. He had so many fish, he about sunk the boat. He had to get help. What is, and then God said, what does the fish symbolize? I said, the fish symbolize provision. He said, that's right. And I rehearsed it. I said, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the peace of God in me and by the supernatural provision of God, we will dominate. See, what has happened is many Christians have never moved from the natural provision of God to the supernatural provision of God. I've got story after story after story because I'm kind of in that position of having to believe for it. But I don't have time for all the stories. But I could tell you a gazillion of them how God has supernaturally met needs. He wants to meet your need beyond the natural. Now, he wants us to be good stewards over the natural. That is our call. we got to steward it well. But don't box him with what's natural. Somebody say amen. Then he talked about the cattle. He said, what do you see about the cattle? And I went into 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, where Solomon completed the temple, and he slaughtered a gazillion cows. I mean, I forget the number, but it's atrocious. It's five or six figures. I mean, that was a lot of cows. He said, what do you see? I, see? I said, I see sacrifice. He said, that's right. Now, what, talk to me, New Testament. He, I said, I, saw, I see voluntarily sacrifice. Because we don't slaughter cows for our sins anymore, but there still is New Testament sacrifice. The Bible says, number one, we sacrifice our bodies as a li as holy living sacrifice. Number two, we sacrifice our praise, our living praise unto God. It's a sacrifice of praise. Number three, Philippians 4, we sacrifice our money because it is an acceptable sacrifice to God. There are New Testament sacrifices. And he said, now rehearse it with me. 
And I said, we're going we're gonna to dominate through the power of the Holy Spirit, the peace of the, of the, uh, and his peace living in our heart, and, and we'll produce supernatural provision, and we'll be willingly ready to sacrifice it for your glory, and we will dominate because of it. Every time we sacrifice, there's a harvest coming. Every time, not only do you give your dollar, but you give of yourself, a, sacri- a harvest is coming to you. You see, if you're just sitting and not going to war and not sacrificing, you're not going to get it. If you hadn't put anything in the ground, ain't nothing to get back. No matter what it is. You need a harvest of love? Go give some love. Need a harvest of mercy? Give somebody some mercy. Need a harvest of forgiveness? Maybe you ought to check your old heart and maybe you need to forgive somebody. Come on. Taking it down now, the last one. The creepy things. What are the creepy things? See, we're supposed to dominate creepy things, and it's way more than a cockroach. In the book of Numbers, they go in 13. It said, uh, Moses said, I want to send you uh, spies over there. Check out the promised land. Now, he wasn't even supposed to do that. God just told him, go take the promised land. Well, let me he wanted to see the trailer first. So he sent 12 spies over there, and they came back. The land that you sent us, it flows with milk and honey, and it's really fruitful. Nevertheless, the people that dwell there in the land are strong. Cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak, that's giants, and the Amalekites dwell in the land, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites. they got a lot of ites over there. And, and, and they said, and, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea, and, and, they're, and they're really big people. And Caleb said, shut up. Somebody had a little faith. Caleb said, shut up, we're going to go over there and take this land. And then they came back. But the men that had gone up with him said, no, we're not able to do it because we only make this much a week. I said this, did I talk about the building project already? No. Hey, your pastor is so awesome. You're almost there at a million down. Wait a minute. Amen. Wait a minute. But I'm sitting there praying yesterday in the service last night, and I'm saying, God, he's almost there. And then all of a sudden I heard a voice, why are you just believing for a million? Why don't we just go ahead and believe for three million? Why don't we just believe? I mean, even if it comes up a little short, we can just say God decided that. I mean, you're going to believe for a million. Might as well believe for three million. There's no difference in there. It's a lot. <laughs> it's more than I got. How about you? And if you got it, give it up. <laughs> there is not a greater steward of finance that I know of in my whole knowledge of people, greater steward than your pastor, Pastor John Miller. This man is the most prudent man I have ever seen, but he is the most giving man, too, at the same time I have ever seen. I'm pretty good. I was telling Lenny the other day, anybody ever challenges me and in my integrity of finances, I'll have to hurt them. But this man makes me look like I'm dwarfed compared to him. It's unbelievable how he handles finance. And I, I've actually learned stuff from him. I just don't tell him. Don't want him to give him the big head, you know. Yeah, that's the kind of relationship we got. We're friends. Hallelujah. But I do learn stuff from him. You never have to worry about the money in this church. I guarantee you that. Unbelievable. All right, let's go on. Caleb says, shut up. The men say, we can't do it. We, can't, we, can't, we don't got enough strength. The children, his bad report, the land which is, we have gone up as, as spies, it devours the land. I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself, where did you see the land devour the people? They're making it up as they go. 
And all the people whom we saw, they're giants. And we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we're like creepy things. We're like grasshoppers. We're like creepy things. We're just a creepy thing to the giants. You see, the spies were sent to the promised land, the land of milk and honey, where the people were strong and powerful, but we're just grasshoppers. Creepy things, grasshoppers, are negative mentalities contrary to the word of God. They produce fear. They produce doubt. They produce disobedience. They produce everything but what is kingdom. That's what the creepy things are. And God says, you are to take dominion over all the creepy things in your life. There's people sitting here. Hey, I'm preaching at myself right now. Don't feel bad. There's people sitting here. Yo, people sitting here right now that got creepy things in their head. And God says, take dominion over them. How do you take dominion over them? Hell, he took me to, he took me to a couple of scriptures, but I only got time for one, and it's in Matthew chapter 3. It's when John the Baptist was introduced. It said, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent. The number one thing to get rid of a creepy thing is repent. Somebody say, repent. I can't hear you. Repent. To me, repentance is a great word. It is not an ugly word. It is a great word. Repentance brings restoration. Repentance brings you back to where you're good with God. You're right with God. And many times we need to repent of stuff. It doesn't mean you went out and had adultery. If you have fear, that's sin. Anything other than faith is sin. Bible says that. Now, fear is a natural emotion that comes against us, but we need to repent and eat the creepy thing. Destroy it. And so it says that he said with the message of repentance, and it was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was creepy things, and he drank the honey. What, what did John do? He ate the locusts and drank the blessing. He ate the creepy things, drank the blessing. He destroyed the creepy things, drank the blessing. You see, God wants you to destroy the creepy things so he can drink from the blessing. But if you don't destroy the creepy thing first, you can't drink the blessing. The blessing comes after the creepy thing is destroyed. So I'm here to tell you, I'm here to prophetically speak over you. For those that have, to have toiled and labored in this, God wants to set you free this day in the name of Jesus. God wants to give you a spirit of dominion this day in the name of Jesus. God wants you to begin to govern, rule, and reign in this day, after this day, in the name of Jesus. I come against every creepy thing that has attacked you, every doubt, every fear, every insecurity that the devil has put against you. I break its power off your mind. I destroy it in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ. I wipe you clean by the blood of the Lamb, by the, by the word of my Lord, and we decree and declare victory in your life. Somebody lift their voice and go, victory! Receive it in the name of Jesus. God bless you all. Hallelujah. God bless you all. Hallelujah. God bless. I bless you in the name of the Lord. I bless you in the name of the Father. I bless you in the name of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And all God's people can say one last time. Amen. Amen. Thank you for allowing me to be with you today. A little bit late, but not bad. Amen. Well, Lord... We want to be subduers. Subduers. We want to be priests and kings. God, help us not to be the creepy things. Help us not to be sitting where we don't belong. In the name of Jesus. Before Jay, before you go down, you know, when we have missionaries, 
we like to sow into the nations. We're a church that sows. And Jay, I want to ask you, what is the greatest need that you all have right now in Haiti? Right now, right now. Now, many times people like to get the projects. This is a little bit different flavor. Uh, we feed a lot of kids. I can't stop feeding them. I can't. We're the source of maybe their only meal in a lot of these areas. When I go to visit them, I'm, I'm not a, a weeper, but I cry. It's how it touches my heart. And I don't weep often. You can ask my wife, but boy, I got to fight them back when I'm out there at some of these places. Well, we're just restarting the school year there with the feeding program and everything, and we're behind a little bit. And we've, I went ahead and took a step of faith. We've already just distributed a whole container of food to our locations just two weeks ago. With two, and, I, and I went ahead and spoke for two more containers. I authorized it. They'll send you an email. Do we have your authorization to send these containers? And I said, yes. But I didn't mark in there by faith. By faith. Container of food is free. The food is free, but you got to pay all the shipping, all the wharf fees, all the stuff. Then you got to distribute it. An average container runs about $6,000 to get it distributed. That's all in that 35 cents I talked about feeding a kid for 35 cents. We add to it. We add the beans. We add uh, sauces. We add meat. We add juice so that the meal is a more complete meal. But the base meal is a fortified rice with vitamins, and we really love it. Comes out of Indiana, feeding the nations. They partner with us. We partner with them. And uh, really, right now, I'm I'm pan. I'm not. No, I'm not. Creepy thing. No, creepy thing. Yeah. Creepy thing. Creepy thing. Creepy thing. Alert. I've been concerned <laughs> and praying, and I know. And we have been in, in bad positions with this feeding program. If you ever do the math, you'll see what the total need is. We don't ever really get there. But somehow God always does it. That's the part I can't explain. I, I can't explain it to you. Three what? What are you doing signals on? Yeah, we do three containers every two months. And this feeds how many children? 3,500 kids five days a week. Five days a week. But it doesn't just feed them, although that's, it, it also, educates them. It also, we also educate them, right? So 3,500 children in a nation where there is no education, no free education, they educate them and feed them for 35 cents a day. That's right, every day. And you have a, two containers on their way to Haiti. By faith. By faith. And we want to give into that. But let me tell you, this is an ongoing need. This is not just let's get these two containers in because three containers feed for two months. They have an ongoing need for three containers every two months. And this is what I'm gonna to suggest to us as a church. One, I'm believing, Jason, that someone's gonna build us a big can that we're gonna have down here. And every weekend, we're gonna fill that can up with dollars and our coins to feed children in Haiti so that we will be continuously uh, sending money to Haiti for the feeding program. Our church already supports it. Pastor John and I give, have pledge to give every week $10 a week to feed children in Haiti. So we give every week in the offering. And so here's a few ways you can give. One is, let's get those containers in and we're going to believe that they're going to have the money to release those containers, send them in, and get them out of Haiti, out of the port, because you got to bribe the, no, not bribe. you got to pay the officials to feed their children. So they got to get it out of the port. 
So we got to help raise the money for that. And then I want to encourage you, we have some cans and we'll have more over the coming weeks. Take this home, put it at your place of business or on your desk at work or at home and you dump your coins in it every day and fill it up and bring it. We'll send that money to Haiti. But also you can make a pledge and they have some pledge cards back there. Just give monthly. Jay's believing for how many every month to give $20 a month? 300 people to give $20 a month and that'll feed the children. Come close. So I want you to pray about that. Pray about a gift today. You can give, put your offering here on the Bible or back at the back with our ushers. They'll have, have buckets back there and you can give your offering. You can take a pledge card and make a pledge. You can take a can. But let's feed these children. Let's, let's partner with Jay and Linda, partner with Fishers and Men Church on the Rock, Port-au-Prince, and let's feed 3,500 children a day. Let's believe that we can be a partner in that. We're going to close our service with prayer. We're going to bring our prayer team down to the front, and we will pray with you and help send you out so that you can be a person of dominion. Pastor Travis, you want to close us in prayer? And we are going to have a great week. But again, you can give your offering here at the back doors. You can make a pledge. You can take a can. Amen. And any time during the year, you can just put it on the offering envelope, put Haiti, and we'll make sure it goes there. Let's stand on our feet. Haiti kids, let's stand on our feet. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. God, we love you today. We thank you that you're faithful, that you're good. God, we thank you that you have a plan for every single one of us in here. God, we thank you for, for our missionaries in Haiti. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in that nation. Lord, we thank you that you put it on Jay and Linda's heart to take that nation for you. God, bless them. Lord, we pray for more than enough provision. God, I pray that more than enough this weekend will come in. God, lay it on our hearts. Give us a heart of obedience. God, let us leave this place today blessing you, honoring you, getting closer to you. Lord, we love you, and we just thank you for today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Hey, God bless you. If you need prayer for anything, if you are away from God right now, let me tell you, Jesus loves you. He cares about you. He died for you. And if you want to talk to anybody about just allowing Jesus, inviting him into your heart, you can meet someone at the cross. We'd love to pray for you. God bless. We'll see you next week.